Hello, it's Monday the 7th of August. I'm Rob Hutton, and I still haven't been offered a seat in the House of Lords. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we comb through the public prints in search of hellish news horrors and juicy nuggets of joy. We're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Johnson packs his pockets again. Guardian discovers that arse-scratching serial shagger Boris Johnson is responsible for half all Tories' outside earnings. Rwanda Plan B is Fantasy Island. Not Panicking Home Office briefs totally plausible locations to send asylum seekers in case completely successful Rwanda Plan fails. And won't somebody think of the rich people? The papers are worried about how filthy rich toffs will handle the cost of living crisis. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. I'm Rob Hutton, and here to squint at the splashes with me is author, journalist, and all round pub bore, John Ellish. <laughs> Hello, John. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, that's why it's so offensive. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> and joining us is a writer and comedian performing to two people in a tiny studio, Gronya Maguire. Hello, Gronya. I'm just so happy that the two of you turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you got on the front pages today, John? So, The Guardian has gone with not one, but two uh, exclusives on a Monday morning in August when, you know, you'd think they might eke them out. Ration yourselves, boys. But no, it's two genuinely really good stories. First, I've got one about MPs' second jobs, which were meant to be um, severely restricted uh, after the Owen Patterson scandal a couple of years ago, but they quietly dropped that pledge without really drawing attention to it. Um, but the strike Who's is... benefited from Boris Johnson backing down on Boris Johnson's pledge to crack down <laughs> on second jobs, John? Well, this will surprise you, um, but Boris Johnson is, um, <laughs> is pulling in £4.8 million. It's always the ones you most suspect. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this statistic is it's not just, as you said in your, your excellent introduction, um, half the money that all of the Tory MPs are earning from second jobs. It is literally 12 times as much as the £400,000 that all the Labour, SNP and Lib Dem MPs are earning from second jobs between them. It's just, it's so exactly what, it's like a parody of like, if you if you wrote this up as fiction, it would sound too on the nose. But this is what is happening. I just want to know how many kids this man has that he needs to support. <laughs> well, it's, it's also a very expensive wallpaper habit. But I, yeah, yeah. What's the other? What's the, the other, other guy? The other one is um, it's, uh, the headline is Met Baton Rounds Only Authorized for Black-Led Gatherings, which is um, this. This is an amazing story based on the Freedom of Information requests, where um, baton rounds are what used to be known as uh, rubber or plastic bullets, which were obviously used extensively in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. They've never actually been used uh, by in police actions on, on the island of Great Britain. But the Met has pre-authorised them a couple of times uh, for specific events where they were worried about public disorder, just in case. Um, The specific events, as revealed by this Freedom of Information request, were a Black Lives Matter protest and the Notting Hill Carnival. Um, they didn't it's use not it for. Great, is they it? didn't. No, they, they didn't pre-authorize it for a, a pro-Tommy Robinson rally. Um, so I have a number of questions of this story. Top of the list is: Did they not see this problem coming? No. I, well, I mean, I know you have views on the Met. Do you have any views on the Met, John? My view is that the Met is quite bad and should probably be reformed. Happier. We could talk about that. Let's not get distracted. Um, happier <laughs> stories. What, what's the Sun got for us? 
Um, <laughs> is this a happier story? I don't know because it's it's about it's about an old, a very old conflict. The sun has also gone to its 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 sort of summer happy place of some manufacturing stories uh, where the Guardian does it through journalism. Uh, the sun has done it through popping around the Costa del Sol seeking evidence of Germans claiming some beds first thing in the morning. Uh, and the headline here is hands off. They think it's towel over. <laughs> they do. That's the that's the headline inside, I believe. There's also a great a great quote by um, from from an anonymous German dad. I'm not going to try and do the accent, but you can obviously you can obviously I, I can try and do the accent. You can, <laughs> you can hear the accent. The son wants this to be read in. We set alarms for six thirty a.m. Reserve the beds, then go back to sleep. We beat the British this morning. Grony, what have you got for us? Well, so I in the eye, and I always think of the eye as like very sort of sensible, your meat and vegetables, you know, your whole meal newspaper. And it's got a story about how UK scientists are preparing for another possible flu pandemic, which seems very sensible. But the, the headline is Secret Labs Vaccine Plan to Prevent Bird Flu Pandemic, which I think makes it sound much more like sinister, like it's a plot in some Bond film. Yeah, it's, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's actually a really good story. I have yeah, to say. it's like it, it, good. It, it's, it's about Porton Down, which is, it is a secret lab, but it's sort of a secret. We all, we all know that Porton Down is there. It's a good secret. It's like, yeah. oh wow, the government are secretly on top of things. Yes, I well, mean, it's, it's, that it's, is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> secret competence. It's uh, Jane Merrick, who was a, a complete star during the pandemic on on the science stories, and I, like a lot of her stories, it, it, it's sort of this may turn out to have been really important in a year's yeah, time. Yeah, it's reassuring. Um, what have you, what have you what have you got? What else have you got for us? Well, speaking of reassuring scientific news. Uh, for the Daily Star, it's got news that uh, apparently Star Trek's William Shatner has angered fans by suggesting that maybe aliens haven't visited us and that if they travelled, you know, light years through space and finally made it to the Earth, they wouldn't be as low-key as people suspect they've been. So it's called, the headline they went for is Illogical Captain. I'm blocked by William Shatner on Twitter after replying to a tweet he once sent, uh, including the letters FFS, which, um, as in case any older listeners are unaware, means for fuck's sake. And Shatner was like, does this mean what I think it means? And I just replied with, fuck yes, and he blocked me. Um, and that's that's broken my heart because I love Shatner. His, his version of common people is definitive, I think. <laughs> but I, I like the idea that just because he starred in a TV show about a subject that he's now sort of seen as a... Like an expert on that subject. Oh, but there was an amazing story. Sorry, this is a serious bit, which I know is not really in keeping. But there was an amazing story uh, a couple of years ago where, like, he went. He went on. A, he actually went to space. He went. He went, on, on, he went, he went in Jeff Bezos' Willy Wonka. Yeah, he, he he got nearly into space. Like, I think there's some debate yeah. about whether or not it actually. Got, but like, he made it, you know, out of the atmosphere. And his response is, "Well, space is really cold and dark and terrifying. And actually, <laughs> actually, we should probably make sure that we don't kill this planet we all live on," which was not really very in keeping with a Captain Kirk. Way of doing things. He didn't have sex with any aliens while he, he was up there. He didn't have sex with a single... I mean, he is like 90 or something at this point, <laughs> to be fair to the man. So, a couple of the papers are leading on a briefing that the government might try to send asylum seekers to Ascension Island as a plan B if the completely workable and serious Rwanda plan somehow fails to pan out. John, is this even at all plausible? 
Well, I think it depends on what you mean by plausible. Um, it's not plausible that we could actually send migrants to live on Ascension Island because um, I, I was searching for the on, online for the mail story to, to kind of read up on this on the on the way into the studio, and I accidentally found the wrong one and didn't realise till I was halfway through. I was reading like one of those that's like, a box out clearly. Yeah. It's basically a Wikipedia page that had been rewritten with a bunch of facts about Ascension Island. But the paragraph that stays with me is uh, it has no hospital, and moving large number of migrants and staff there could overload existing power and water facilities. I mean the population. Is, is less than a right. I think it's about five hundred. So not, it's, yeah. It's not great, and it's you know, it's literally a thousand miles from anywhere. It's, it's there as like deep sea anchorage or something. So, so in terms of like, is this a solution to to um, the the um, crisis in the Home Office about processing asylum applications? Obviously not. However, is this a solution to Suella Braverman's problem of not getting enough publicity for her attempts to deal with that crisis? <laughs> then maybe it is because, like, obviously the Rwanda plan is not going to work out. They've found a clever way of making sure that the headlines and the mail and so on are still going to be all about this for months until the election. Um, so on that level, I think it's a very good plan. Where else could they send people? I mean, apparently they have considered the Falkland Islands. They did consider the <laughs> Falkland Islands and they decided against it, so far as I can tell, because it would upset the ghost of Margaret Thatcher. Uh, like The reason given was literally like it would it would be betraying uh, the veterans of the, the 1982 Falklands conflict and everything they fought for. Um, what it reminds me of is um, there was a thing a couple of years ago where they were deciding on the next round of um, which which cities got official city status for the Queen's mm. Platinum Jubilee. And uh, Stanley, the capital of the Falkland Islands, is on there. And I was so certain they were going to have Stanley official city status just because it felt like the sort of thing they would do. And I was really disappointed when they didn't. Oh. But yeah, it's got, the, the Falklands obviously have this kind of holy status to the modern Tory party, so they're not going to send people there. What would be more British and Tory than sending loads of foreigners to live in the Falklands against local people's wants or wishes? I think that <laughs> is the spirit of the British Empire. Well, what if some of these asylum seekers turn out to be Argentinian, though? That would be a problem. That, that, <laughs> would, be, that would be bittersweet. Grania, tell us about Liz Truss. Uh, so this is the story of our favourite girl boss... Yeah. Liz Truss. Autumn Prime Minister Liz Truss, as I think of her. <laughs> For a season. <laughs> and of a thousand days. Uh, Liz Truss apparently is handing out one gong for every four days she was a number 10. Is that the official rule? Is that like how long you have to be in office to get out a gong? I uh, just, it reminds me of, you know, that Bono video where he every time he clicks his fingers, somebody dies. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Liz Truss. But every day. Only the House of Lords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your house, of, you're in the House of Lords. You're, you're in the House, house of Lords. Lords. <laughs> uh, who's, who's going? Who's going? So it's going to be a gong from Matthew Elliott. Now, I'm very dumb. So you were telling me earlier that he was like the... If, if, if we're looking for people to thank for everything that's gone so well over the last decade, Matthew Elliott is very much very near the top of the list. Um, he's he was the uh, chairman of Vote Leave, or the chief executive of Vote Leave. Something he was he was in charge of Vote Leave. So um, blame him. Is Liz Truss secretly a sleeper cell who wants to abolish the House of Lords by just being so on the nose by how low key corrupt and you know 
completely unqualified the people who sit in it are. Maybe I, that's what, maybe that's the big plan. I don't think this is deliberate, but I do think they've accidentally done this because there was a problem with the, the argument for House of Lords reform in the noughties and the early 2010s where it's like, okay, in, in an, if you were setting up a country, you wouldn't set it up like this. But actually the House of Lords has a lot of expertise in it. There's a lot of people with scientific or legal expertise who are good at looking at legislation and saying, no, that doesn't work. That argument has completely imploded on contact with the Johnson and Trust governments, where something like 10% of, of these people who will sit in the House of Lords forever until they die are just these kind of political crony appointments. You can no longer make the, well, it doesn't work in theory, but it seems to work in practice argument. It is just like basically open corruption at this stage. There's an, in, there's an interesting thing as well about uh, not so much Matthew Elliott, but another of the, the rumoured Trust appointments, Ruth Porter. John, who was Trust's chief of staff, but oh yes, and she's—I uh, think she's in her thirties, probably. She's reasonably she's she's she's, she's youngish. She, she's uh, youngish. She's the yeah. sort of person who you would expect to have maybe political ambitions. Might she want to definitely to the was on the. She, she has been a Tory candidate. Tory candidate for Parliament. She was on the candidates list. So it is interesting that someone of that demographic might be happy to go to the Lords, which is—I mean, it's a job for life, but it's also a political graveyard. You're not going to be a Secretary of State from the House of Lords. It does kind of say something about where where these guys expect the Conservative Party's electoral fortunes to go over the next couple of years, I think. Yeah. Do we need to bring back crusades? So <laughs> if you want to sit in the house Talk of us Lords, through this, Connie. I'm just going to strap in here. Are we going to return to Jerusalem? <laughs> but this is it. You have to really put your money where your mouth is. You get, OK, you're 30. You basically were a temp for Boris Johnson for six months. You helped out his IT. I don't know what happened. You're now in the House of Lords. You're sir or your lady. But you are going to have to go into battle. And if you come back, then you get a job for life. I think that would weed out... So we'll send them, give, make, make, make them, make them go into the army and go and recapture the Holy Land. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a point of. View. I think there could be some downsides to this. <laughs> could but be too many as might well. survive. I just, I just wasn't <laughs> expecting you to go to the verb in the second on this. this <laughs> there is an interesting photo on the front page of the Mail, which shows Helen Housby of England's netball team, the Roses, who were sadly defeated in the World Cup final last night. Um, and the headline, heartbreak for Netball's Roses, now let's roar on the Lionesses, is a shout out for the England women's football team, who are in action against Nigeria even as we record this. And what I think is interesting about this is I don't think five years ago any of the papers would have put the Netball team on the front page and probably not the England women's football team. John, what's going on here? You're not going to make me talk about sport, are you? Uh, <laughs> it, 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 you're right. It does feel like a change that I think it's it, it's a very recent change as well. It's like, I can't, I can't remember exactly when there was a there was. A I football... don't think the last Women's World Cup was covered in the way that this Women's World Cup is being covered. It does kind of feel like there has been this cultural shift where now like people are paying attention to, to women's sport a lot more, including the papers. And also it's bizarre to think that like that we've had this cultural assumption for so long that like, oh, football, that's a thing, that's a thing boys do. Why? Why? It's just like that, that's, that, that assumption has stood there a lot longer than like the idea that, you know, being, being a corporate executive is a thing that boys do or being a senior lawyer is a thing that only men can do. It's like for some reason, like the idea that like sport should be gender equal has kind of taken a bit longer to kind of come to the fore. And I don't I mean, really understand there's why. There's a utilitarian thing about this, which is that the, 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 the England's lionesses are winners. 
That's true. That probably they, they, helps. They I've, won. They won the Euro contest. Basically, jingoism is triumphing here. Yeah. Over the misogyny <laughs> is is what's helping. But it does kind of feel like the the papers have sort of woken up to the fact that like if they cover this stuff, not only do they sometimes get positive stories about sports, they also get pictures of pretty girls they can put on the front pages. Gronya, can we interest you in sports in any way by by putting <sighs> by, by by talking about women playing sport? I feel so uh, conflicted because on the one hand. You know, love feminism as much as any Taylor Swift fan, you know, big fan of fellow women. On the other hand, hate sport. I just (laughs) couldn't care less. So I'm very happy that everybody's doing so well and everybody seems to be having a lovely time. What I really want is, I think there'll only be true equality when we have Roy Keane really laying into the team. Like going, she's lazy. She's fucking lazy. <laughs> then we will have equality. That's, forget the, the glass ceiling. That will be uh, the real sign that we've got equity. As regular listeners to Papercuts will know, if there's one thing we love, it's a great headline. Which is why we get very sad when we see a story that's begging for a pun, but going without. And when that happens, we ask you, the audience, to step in and fix the headline. On Friday, we gave you the tremendous tale that Loch Ness is recruiting people to search for their mythic beastie. The headline was, Nessie Hunters Wanted as Extensive New Search for Loch Ness Monster is Planned, (laughs) which was frankly disappointing. So we ask you to do better for only glory and the promise of a sleek, stylish, paper cuts t-shirt for the best offering. And boy, did you deliver. Guy Ballard came up with, Who Wants to Get Locky? Which is (laughs) far from dreadful. Adri van der Leet's Nessie Dormer, new high-tech quest for elusive Loch Ness Monster, was very good. But the elite judging panel felt it was a bit long. Paul O'Neill went very deep with sales for the cryptid. Today's winner, with an impressive twofer, is Matthew Griffiths with Lock Enroll <laughs> Eyewit Nessies Wanted. Matthew... We'll be in touch to get your size and address, and a Paper Cuts t-shirt will be on its way to you. Don't forget to send us a selfie in from the banks of Loch Ness with a plesiosaurus rearing up behind you. <laughs> and everyone else, be here for another Fixer Headline in Friday's show. Meanwhile, what do the professionals have to offer in today's papers? Gronya, take us to the sun. So this is the story of um, a comedian. Well, I think she's actually an actor up at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. Um, She walked on stage. There was only one person in her audience. Um, She was very upset. Then a picture went viral. And then it transpires that she had tweeted a similar thing a year before. And the headline is... Fringe, cringe, repeat. Very good. Has you, I mean, you've, you've, have you done Edinburgh? I have done Edinburgh. Have you, so. have you only had one person in your audience? I mean, okay, so this story, I think, listen, I don't think she's at fault. What you have to remember, it's the report, the way it's reported is slightly missing what the fringe is actually like. So... It is some of the neediest, most insecure, (laughs) most attention-seeking, most emotionally fragile people up in Edinburgh for a month, basically having a month-long Ofsted 
inspection <laughs> publicly with all their friends. So people lose their minds, like people lose their minds. And then it's people like performers overshare. So I really don't think there's anything cynical in what she did. I think she's just, you know, a, a fringe performer barely holding on, oversharing, which is what Instagram and Twitter is for. So I'm sure she did tweet something last year saying, oh God, I've got nobody in because that's such a common experience. Like nearly every time I've done the fringe, you have to pull a show or you walk on stage with three people in and you're trying to be like, I'm so present, I'm so grateful. But in your head, you're doing your set, but in your head you're like counting how much money you're losing in this specific performance. So I think that's just what happened. She just... Put the picture up and then journalists who don't know what they're talking about was like, oh my God, this is such a unique experience. What's the mirror got for us in terms of headlines? This is gorgeous. So an artist has been using beach litter to create amazing collages. And the headline is Sandy Warhol. Well done. Nice. John. So over in the Star, uh, they have a story about uh, this. Is, this is real news. This is uh, <laughs> Ant and Deck have uh, posted a selection of uh, pictures of them generated by AI to their Instagram account. Uh, one of which shows them um, playing tennis. In one, they have all sorts of animals in their head. In one, they seem to be figure skaters, completely with blue hair and fishnets. Uh, the headline is, it's Ain't and Deck. Ain't and Deck, Ain't and Deck, yep, okay, yep. Yeah. So, oh, I, oh, yeah, I, I just yeah, got yeah. that, I just got that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> do, do, do phone uh, me up if you need me to explain any other headlines to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's also, there's another, this one's truly fantastic. This is definitely the best headline of the day. Uh, over in the mirror, they have a story about um, uh, film director Christopher Nolan uh, has responded to complaints that some of the dialogue in his uh, magnum opus blockbuster Oppenheimer is a bit mumbled and difficult to hear. Um, the headline is, I am become deaf, the destroyer of words. <laughs> deaf. Yeah, that is excellent. I mean, yeah, no, who, who can hear anything on the telly these days? We're in the middle of a cost of living crisis. There's a war in Europe. The Med is on fire. And there's only one question on everyone's lips. Won't someone please think of the rich people? We've got a bumper crop of what about the rich people stories in today's paper. John, the Mail's Inspire pullout has an incredible story with the headline, How the Wealthy Are Weathering the Big Squeeze This Summer. What's going on? This is fantastic. This is the best thing in the papers today, just because it's got so many amazing quotes in it. Um, so the, so the, main, the main chunk of it is written by someone called Shruti Advani. My favourite quote from this one is, What is the point of a £40 pedicure if my feet are never out of my trainers? I asked a rather <laughs> alarmed receptionist in my neighbouring, uh, my neighbourhood now still on this week. There's also, there's also smaller case studies, uh, one from Helena Frith-Powell, uh, which begins with one of the downsides to living in the south of France is the steady stream of emails that begin just after Christmas telling me how nice it would be to see me in July or August. <laughs> just, I mean, the heart bleeds, doesn't it? It's, <laughs> what? There's also, there's also uh, another bit from uh, Helen Cohen Taylor. All of these people have a lot of names, don't they? Talking about the expense of uh, theatre trips to the West End. We won't quit the West End yet. We'll just go less often. Or we might look what's playing at our local in Sirencester. Oh. 
Oh my god, I was so nervous there for a second. They came up with the solution. Yeah, (laughs) it's just absolutely fascinating. I genuinely, I was looking at this for like half an hour, and I genuinely can't work out the extent to which the male thinks we're going to be on their side. Like, there's obviously an element of. I wonder if all of this is done very deliberately to get to get. It sort of to get hate clicks. I mean, presumably so, but at the same time, like it does kind of feel like the the, the mayor is not known for its kind of like Bolshevism, and this does feel like how you spark a revolution is <laughs> at the point where like you know bread is now like seventeen pounds a loaf or something. Talking about Helen Coe and Taylor's difficulty in like affording her West End theatre, yes, it, it just feels off. Is this the time to get rid of your NetJet subscription? Well, what is the point <laughs> of a forty pound pedicure if your your feet are staying in your trainers, Rob? <laughs> Gronia, you've got a belter in Times 2. Yeah, it's the same thing, honestly. I'm, you know, I'm so worried about these poor people. The rich and the second homes crisis. Yeah, the thing is, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, you know, you think having two houses is going to make your life easier. It's not overcomplicates thing because you're in your house and cut the Cotswolds and you suddenly realise, oh no, I left my phone charger in my pied de terre in Kensington. These are big problems. These are big problems. And they only afford one phone charger. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the the issue, the, the, the unexpected burdens of having two houses. Two houses, beware the complications. So listen, guys, I know you may think that these people have it all, but actually... It's a lot harder than you think. Are, are you worried about your second home, Grania? My imaginary second home. I would like to think that when I have my, well, where would I be? Like my little, my little house, maybe in a, in Norway, where I think it's all going to be log fire. If people want to break in, I'll let them break in. Like this is the only thing that cheered me up is a line that said, a friend of mine has had his house occupied in Ibiza. Another has survived so many robberies in his villa in the south of France that he virtually chains himself to the bed in case they try and steal that too. And that really, honestly, that really yeah. reassured me. Are these angry Daily Mail readers taking <laughs> Radicalised by the Inspire section. Comrade Dacre. <laughs> Now, life can't all be sleazy Tories and a bonkers honours list. Sometimes I want to know how I'm eating wrong and wearing clothes wrong and sleeping wrong. And that's why we dig into the depths of the paper for the really good stuff. Gronia, how am I eating wrong? So uh, this story, which is... To, to illustrate the story is a lovely picture of Yogi Bear with right. a picnic camper. Mm. So I, I assume we're food shaming Yogi Bear in The Guardian, yeah. which is a bit... What, what, what am I doing wrong? Um, do you snack? Did my wife write this piece? <laughs> <laughs> first of all, here's the first... Do you snack? First question. Maybe. Yes, maybe. Maybe I have a secret stash of snacks. Yep. Okay. Mm. Second most important question. Are you worried about snacking? Well, I I wasn't worried about snacking. My Mrs. Mrs. Hutton thinks I should be worried about snacking. Well, the Guardian thinks you should be worried about snacking. Like this, I mean, has I'm so glad somebody is has finally, you know, came is discussing the idea that maybe eating between meals might not be good for your overall health. So this is a real groundbreaking article saying you should be worried about snacking, but don't worry, they've got a solution which nobody has thought of before. Is it to lie to your wife about your snacking? I think maybe that's the subtext to it. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> but they came up with a just, I, I can't, I feel like such an idiot because I was wondering why I was putting on weight. And then it turns out, you know, Snickers, crisps, 
hamburgers, chips. Apparently that's bad. Is it? Is it? Right. I had no idea before I read this. So this is the, the groundbreaking insight they came up with. To make sure, uh, you know, if you want to keep to a healthy diet, mixed nuts, whole fruit or Greek yogurt with berries are good options. I mean, who? Imagine! I'm such an not, idiot. Not, not, not Snickers bars. What? Well, I well, Not Pringles. Listen, I don't know. You know how much research they did into this. Right. Maybe this is just some wacky theory that snacking uh, healthier foods might be better than you know, a biscuit. John, you've got a classic summer story about Britain's wonkiest pub burning down. I do. So the Crooked House pub in Himley in the Black Country has become an unlikely tourist attraction thanks to its uneven walls, floors and surfaces. Um, but is it still a tourist attraction? Uh, no. Uh, there's a lovely picture of it on fire. Oddly enough, this this happened not long after it had been bought by some developers, um, which is it's it's weird how often that happens, isn't it? How, like, you know, developers buy a pub and then, like, a horror story, it just immediately burns down. Well, I, I guess. Like tra- and, they, and they have I to guess. redevelop it as housing. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just shocking. Um, the reason I've enjoyed this particularly, there was a lovely story. Uh, obviously, nothing nothing untoward has happened in, yeah. in this case. This is just a tragic yep. accident. But there was a lovely story a couple of years ago about um, the demolition of a, a, a pub in West London by a developer who decided to ignore uh, planning rules. Uh, and was then forced to rebuild it brick by brick <laughs> so that it looked exactly the same as it did before at great expense. It would obviously be horrible if this, the same thing were to happen to these other developers uh, in Himley. Grania, the star, you've got a family at war. Uh, this is, you know, it's awful when, you know, a bridezilla <laughs> takes things too far. So this is the story that Tony Blackburn's daughter has rejected her dad's offer to DJ at her wedding. No. And the headline is Flop of the Pops. Oh, <laughs> Which is terrible. Like, that's his job. I'm not being funny, but like, his job is to be a DJ. If you're saying, I would prefer a Spotify playlist than to you picking a few tunes, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Tony's side here. Is she getting a band? Is she just. She, she just said, uh, he offered, and she said, that's very lovely of you, Dad, but we don't want any cheese. At the wedding, which I've got bad news for her. Yes. Has she been to a wedding? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> John, take us to the Telegraph. Uh, Iraq's Prime Minister has ordered an investigation into how a bear escaped from its crate aboard an Iraqi airliner as it prepared to leave Dubai Airport. This is very much you remember. You remember that film Snakes on a Plane. I do remember this. This, yeah. this is this is this is the sequel. Um, bear in the air. In the bear in the air. <laughs> Disappointingly, from from some perspectives, this was in the cargo hold, right, rather than on the on the passenger deck. Um, but yeah, no, a, a video went viral of passengers complaining they've been told to get off the plane because there was a bear loose in the cargo oh hold. My God. <laughs> I, I, is it really a bear or a Chinese man in a suit? <laughs> Probably a good point to end. Right. (laughs) I've got nothing. And that brings us to the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John Elledge. Thank you. I'll be boring on a pub soon, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to Grania Maguire. I'll be getting drunk in a pub soon. (laughs) And thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. And if you love us, leave us a five-star review and tell your friends. By some mysterious process, this helps us to eat.
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Papercuts Show. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget, fix the headline. Follow our Twitter and threads for a story with a rubbish headline that you can improve and you might win a t-shirt. I've been Rob Hutton, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when fans of the Archers complained that the farming soap had depicted a dog being put down after a car accident. Wait till they find out what happens to Tom Archer's pigs. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) 